When I worked in IoT, I never believed that voice stuff would be real five years ago. And now I have an Alexa in almost every room of my house. It's not going to be any shortage of jobs for security professionals anytime ever. There's a lot of change going on in the industry right now. There's a lot of players in the market. There's a lot of tools. There's also almost a lot of noise just in the market itself. I think as a developer, it's a little confusing. One of the things we had to figure out was how to get the developers to care about this. Hi, I'm Guy Pajarni, CEO and co-founder of Sneak. And you're listening to The Secure Developer, a podcast about security for developers, covering security tools and practices you can and should adopt into your development workflow. It is a part of the Secure Developer community. Check out thesecuredeveloper.com for great talks and content about developer security and to ask questions and share your knowledge. The Secure Developer is brought to you by Heavybit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us again. And today we have Brian Sodano from Liberty Mutual. Uh, welcome on the show, Brian. Thanks for coming. Oh, thank you for having me, Guy. Appreciate it. So, uh, Brian, we have a whole bunch of topics to cover. Uh, before we dig in, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, What is it that you do, and how did you even get involved in security in the first place? So I've been in software development industry for about 20 years. Always been an engineer, still consider myself an engineer. I don't get to write a lot of code these days, but um, yep, uh, still I, I, got, I have my side project, so <laughs> that keeps me busy. I've always found that uh, security was actually a very important aspect of this. I've watched it evolve over a long period of time, from anything from physical security down to AppSec stuff. Always been part of the process from either, you know, remember you know, 20 years ago setting up servers and physical stuff and worrying about actual physical security all the way down to now. I'd say I got very into this a few years ago. I worked at a, a small uh, cybersecurity startup that was actually here in Boston. Okay. Um, got very involved with analyzing different vendors in the space, static security, pen testing, dynamic security, emerging runtime security market, You know, looking at all these different aspects. And I found it fascinating because um, there's so many different angles about this, and everyone has their different take on what's important, how stuff works, and there's some uh, elements and essential stuff. So um, I, I came to Liberty Mutual about two years ago, and I've been looking at uh, ways to improve that there while working on a digital transformation project as part of their platform, which I'd gladly talk more about too. Yeah, for sure. So you know, you went through this great journey in your engineering, and I, you know, I, I love that and you know, I guess just as a side comment, you also have done about maybe still run the sort of the local Node.js uh, uh, meetup group here. I did. In fact, that's where I first met you. Yeah. So, uh, mm-hmm. so about five years ago. Yeah, now. it's been yeah. Uh, it's been a little while there, but you know, I, I seem to recall you had a, a kind of a security interest then as well. <laughs> I, I uh, you know, it's funny. I I'll, well, first of all, I'll never forget you showed up and uh, you, you kind of pinged me out of nowhere and said, uh, "Hey, I'm going to be in town. I want to talk about this stuff." I'm like, "I don't uh, okay. Well, I don't know what this is, but it's fine." Security had become very popular. Thing I remember two things from that meetup. One was I asked you. I said, "Oh, is this like uh, like NSP, like Node Security Project?" And uh, your answer was, "Oh no, this is way better than that." (laughs) (laughs) Good to hear. I was confident even back then. You were, you were. And I said, "Okay." I said, "You go talk," because you know we had. So basically, the Node.js meetup in Boston is this you know monthly-ish meetup. Sorry, guys, if you're listening and your Node meetup have been slacking a little bit, been busy. Uh, But we have regular meetups, um, and I think that one was security themed. And you said you'd come in. And the second thing I remember, by the way, was you had the uh, the uh, little magic wands. wands uh, (laughs) So those little plastic things. 
that you roll up and then you kind of throw it up in the air and a, a magic wand appears. Indeed. My, my kids still have a bunch of them at home, believe it or not. Yep. Uh, we found some when we moved and, and they, they're still throwing them around. Yeah, which is they, great. they continue to be our, uh, you know, I, I like to say that if we've achieved nothing as a startup, we've perfected swag, you know, with these, uh, with these magic wands. You need more magic wands. You got to bring them back <laughs> and keep doing them. So, one of the things that I found very interesting about that, uh, also as an aside, and this, by the way, this is not a plug on sneak, I swear. The audience really resonated with what you were talking about at that meetup, right? And so, so you're talking about how sneak works, how it's very developer friendly. I don't think it was so much that it was a um, security software. I think it was the fact that you, you were actually talking to developers as a developer, showing them how to do this in the code and going through. And I, I think they were like, oh, okay, this is super easy. Like, this makes sense. I understand this. This I, I can see where this is going to evolve. It's easy to put in my processes. And it, it really hit me, you know, at that point, I was like, wow, I think like they're kind of onto something. And 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 I, I kind of think about that over like the past few years as I've looked at other tooling and stuff like that too, because I think the entire security security market as I've looked at it over the past three, four years is so tailored towards certain audiences and yeah. certain certain end games of, of, of what people are really looking for and what it is that they need to support as part of their stuff. But it was really the first point I saw somebody really seriously targeting the developer audience, right? So I, I took that and I, I remember like I got tremendous feedback on that. Like you need to have more like developer oriented stuff. And actually it's funny because we, we we really talked to and I started gearing towards other companies when they started coming in. Like you really need to start talking about the APIs you offer. Like the, the the kinds of ways you can interact. So you, you did change my mentality a little bit about how to run that meetup, which was good. It was that great turnout, that great showcase, but I think it was that that really like resonating with the developer that really kind of drove yeah. that stuff. Well that's awesome. You know, first of all, you know, awesome to sort of hear that uh, you know that it left a left a good impression. And I do think, you know, and and I guess we kind of uh, we, we get a chance to sort of maybe move this back in, which is, you know, this whole theme of of sort of developer and security has really strengthened, you know, over those sort of years, you know, since that talk uh, way back when. So maybe let's let's dig into into this one for you. So you're, you know, you you come into Liberty, uh, and you're not in a security title. You come in to do really a digital transformation project and and change it. Tell us a little bit, you know, paint a bit of that picture. You know, what what's the sort of scope of the initiative, and and how does security play a role in it? So Liberty Mutual has for the past two years. Undergone what's commonly called like digital transformation, right? So, so folks not familiar with that, they were operating in a very waterfall software delivery model. They weren't necessarily following agile practices. A lot of things were tied to big long delivery dates, project based. Um, had a lot of you know analysts write up a lot of papers, yeah. make these project plans, deliver stuff. It was slow, right? It, it, was, yep. it was essentially in order to deliver into functionality. It was it was a very difficult transition to be able to actually get stuff out the door and move stuff in. So they moved to Agile methodology, they moved towards a very developer-centric model, um, and they shifted the way in which they, they work. Right. So, so we're very similar to like a Spotify model. Yeah, you have product owners, mm-hmm. we have development squads. Their task is now to maximize customer delivery and impact right, as we go. Right? So everything is customer-centric, everything is customer-focused, and the teams are, are consistently looking to deliver the right kind of value outward. And one of the reasons why they're doing this is, is in this industry they're looking for you know, essential operational efficiencies to be able to drive more adoption of folks to be able to buy insurance online. Right. Right? We, are, yeah. we are historically a, a very successful business for getting folks to come in and work through agents and partners and, and call centers and reps, but 
sooner or later, right? The customer demand. Uh, I can think of you know younger folks and yeah. millennials that don't even want to talk you to people just, on the you phone. You want to go online somewhere, right? Correct. Yeah. I mean, and do you look at what insurtechs are doing? You look at uh, other startups in the space and fintechs. I mean, they're gearing everything towards online. They don't. They don't have the giant distribution network that we have going for us. So they're making a shift uh, for the benefit to that. So as we do that and as we start to drive through, you look at these different teams that are building that. We, we have a bunch of teams that are working down here in Boston and up in New Hampshire, Seattle, Ireland, and they're looking at ways in which to engage the customer faster. Now, what's funny is typically most people wouldn't think to engage with an insurance company very often, right? I mean, how often are you going to go do this? So, yeah. so the name of the game is speed to attract them in from a, a sales point of sale perspective, right? Yep. Being able to draw them in now, of Capture course, some attention. Correct. Now, of course, price matters with this, and there's other factors that go into that. But once you do that, there's also a speed factor and a convenience in I have to deal with my insurance company, right? So I, I have to make payments. I have to file claims. I want to have payout on what it is that you said you're covering. And so in order to transform those particular experiences, we're developing software super quickly and trying to see, um, essentially kind of in an agile way, like what sticks. Like we're constantly te- right. testing and measuring, we're constantly throwing stuff out there. As you can imagine, a lot of this and a lot of this means that stuff is changing all the time. Right? Yeah. Right? So when you start getting in that environment, and we, we also embrace an open source mentality, move from a lot of uh, primarily Java uh, proprietary stacks into... JavaScript, open source, community, full yeah, stack so type of full, uh, sounds like a, a wholesale change there. It's, it was a very wholesale change, but as we made that change, now you're you're opening up a, a nice broad ecosystem, which mm-hmm. on on one hand is great because you have all access to all these commonly used libraries, and and you can uh, not reinvent the wheel every single time. Mm-hmm. Con is that uh, there there could be potential vulnerabilities that are opened up in these particular libraries, uh, as well as new methodologies in which we're deploying software while we're throwing it out into the cloud. And, and different mixed methodologies of, of, of a hybrid environment as we move into a, a new way of working. Right. So what's been interesting and what's been a continuously evolving way in which we've operated is, is the best way I could say this, is when you have the market teams and the, the digital group that we're part of continuously pushing out these changes, and they're constantly churning through, and you don't have these big project plans, you don't yeah. have these big things anymore yeah. that you can hand over to your network operations and your your data center folks. That I need to provision this kind of hardware to go through these things, and I, here's my security plan. Just sort of, you know, fluid and forwards. There's no gates, you know. There's no review points as much, you know. It's continuous. Correct. It is a continuous change, deployment, everything that has to happen there. So we have to come up with a new way to operate. right? And I would love to tell you we figured everything out. Uh, we have not. Uh, we are constantly reevaluating the best ways to operate, both with our security partners, our global cybersecurity group, as well as our SOC, you know, getting the alerts and understanding yep. who's responsible for what. It's interesting. I, I think uh, the tools that we can introduce from the sort of market delivery perspective to help the the really literally the shift left mentality of developers do more have immensely helped to help kind of like shove down those sorts of um, you, know, you know catching things essentially before they even get off of even developers machine right uh, be able to understand what kind of library choices that we use from an architecture perspective but we're also continuously looking at the best kinds of architecture patterns and practices for deployment as well right and, and how we actually work with our partners so this is you know it's, it's sort of a fascinating transition right and and you're describing you know the change of really everything really you know 
know, I know about how do you how do you operate, and I think you rightly describe this as changing how we operate. If we sort of focus on security, you know, for a moment, you know, you're you're inside, you know, your your title is director of engineering, right? The title isn't security title, and you're describing security activity, and you're talking about sort of shifting left and building those security components in. How, from an organizational perspective, you know, how has security Changed, you know, from from within the company. Is is there sort of a separate security team that's a part of this digital transformation? You know, this this like digital Liberty Mutual. Is it uh, is it the security team that's sort of learning how do they kind of adapt to this new surrounding security responsibility and edge? You know, like instead of trying to enumerate the options, you know, like how uh, how is that being handled? In that context of all this big change, it is a brave new world yeah. in terms of how we're doing this, right? And so, a lot of the drive begins with you know what is it that we're really doing to the customer, right? And as we keep pushing that, we've had to evolve and understand and and have certain people assume certain roles, right? So we have the concept of uh, we call them solution engineers, or, or they're more or less like a solution architect, same idea. Um, and a lot of those folks essentially have taken some of the leads from a market and digital delivery perspective, understanding the, the kinds of risks that we're going to be throwing out there based on what it is that we're making, and whether that be writing shiny new web clients or chatbots or the text uh, SMS interaction um, along with our new web apps, and then helping to work on new plans that uh, essentially didn't exist in this continuous mm-hmm. deployment model, right? To be able to put together the kinds of checks we need. So, for example, if we have like Sneak as part of our CI CD pipelines, that now has become our responsibility because. Previously, we would have thrown this in a, a monthly release cycle, yeah. right? And it would have gone through. Someone would audit. Yeah. Somebody would have checked all the stuff and, and checked all the boxes and said, "Are you doing all these things? Yes or no?" When we said we're not doing this anymore, we're going to deploy at will and at demand. We had to uh, come up with our own methodologies to be able to incorporate back into this. So we are taking the lead on this, right? And was that a was that sort of a conscious decision? So like there was there was sort of this set of hey from a compliance perspective or just sort of you know the security policy here are the things that need to go into a release or 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 you know whatever sort of you know code that got shipped into production code that touches our kind of the private and sort of personal data that you uh, that you touch how will you be satisfying it or has it been more sort of the the, the dev team being security minded because it's a different perspective a different uh, different breed there's the aspect of we chose to go with an open source ecosystem, right? A, a very popular one too, right? Um, so you talk about full stack JavaScript. So we're sort of on the hook for understanding the kinds of vulnerabilities we're continuously bringing in or potentially bringing in as part of that. There's another aspect where we're, we're trying to figure this out now too. Like I said, in terms of moving into the cloud, you get into sort of a dynamic security aspect. That's been a joint effort between a, sort of a centralized security group as well as partners that. We have that might be maintaining, say, like a, like a WAF or application firewall right. rule sets and scanning that go along with that, um, as well as bending those rules and modifying them to meet our needs. These are groups that are these these partners are the same teams that would have secured the sort of pre-digital transformation teams, or are these new teams that got formed 
for this purpose, or or new individuals that kind of got tasked with the. They are the same themes that existed, but they've evolved, right? And so they have they have become a newer set of entity under sort of this global cybersecurity group that exists within our our world, and their role is essentially to still take on this sort of centralized um, security response, you know, an incident management aspect. Right. Where we've had to come together is. A newer understanding of the architecture that we're proposing, that we're doing. You talk about things like moving into cloud and, and serverless. You talk about getting rid of giant monolithic applications that are much easier to manage from a security perspective because yeah. it's it's one spot and everything's there. And as we move into a service-oriented architecture, you call it microservices, you call it whatever you want. But essentially, as we move into the service-oriented architecture in the cloud, we are redrawing out. The ways in which we're interoperating, and what we found is, is super interesting, is that there isn't really one side or the other side. There's a lot of shades of gray that go in yep. between both of these sides, right? And there's sort of granular and fine grained abilities that some of us want to have and not. You know, from a security and centralized security group perspective, they want to know if there's a potential incident or there's a potential problem or if there's a there's a very broad scale vulnerability, and be alerted to it and understand that. Uh, somebody's going to be looking at remediating it, or, or whether they're they're going to be involved, or whether they're going to have to get us involved, everything like that. But there's a lot of fine grained detail that goes into what we're implementing all day long, and we, we, I mean, bluntly speaking, we we outnumber them. You know, I mean, this is uh, we have several hundred developers in the digital group alone, and and you know, over a thousand developers inside the U.S. alone. Yeah. Uh, the security organization that's centralized doesn't have that many folks, right? It's, it's a much smaller ratio. I, I don't know if it's Quite hundred to one, but it might be right in terms of that that size. So, how do you operate in this, knowing that the developers are essentially now pushing and changing everything, right, as a growing force, and have the capabilities to do this too? Yeah. And where do you draw the line? So, we've worked to a new model where there's there's a little bit of um, the central group and essentially what their needs are, and then there's sort of a group that's uh, evolving under the market level, digital level, like say under me, where we have security champions and we have dedicated folks that are involved in part analysis, part plan, part architecture. It's a little bit of blur, but essentially it'll boil down to procedural DevOps automation things, anything that we'd be doing to essentially carry out those those checklists, and I think it's just going to keep growing as we keep keep so evolving. So this would be the uh, to echo this back. I mean, within the digital group, there will be, or maybe there are DevOps entities, and also there's somebody there that is sort of more central, but not security dedicated, that focuses on sort of developer empowerment. There's the security, the central security entity that. You know, reasonably has the same concerns regardless of whether it's on you know new or old infrastructure. If it's a vulnerability, it needs to be handled. But then, you know, for this new world, this this sort of DevOps team needs to take on or is taking on some more of this responsibility in coordination with the security team. Is that did I sort of hear that correctly? Yeah, that, that that's about right. Right, yeah. it's a little bit more split up than that, and uh, I don't need to get into the details of our yeah, organization well, also, that yeah. likes to you know shift around as 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 yeah. things do. But there's definitely needs from, like I said, from that first response you know perspective, from a, a global you know is this going to be a problem from a customer perspective that we need to really be concerned about, essentially you know rolling up to our CISO versus the roles that we have to help enable. 
the functionality that that we're driving and we're pushing, right? So it is a little bit of a self-elected, self-nominated. Yeah, we we have to do this. We don't have a choice. <laughs> you yeah. know, so as we keep expanding this channel, well, you ma- you made a decision to sort of you know embrace the technical platforms, or you made the technology choices. And given the fact they're different than past technology choices, you have to assume some responsibilities. It's like you know when we have that freedom, we have to pay that price a little yeah, bit, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It goes hand in hand. So you know, you're doing. I mean, I think I think this process you describe is is fascinating, and it's it's probably like similar to many other sort of digital transformation initiatives. What would you say are a couple of your key learnings here? You know, things that if you look back at the last year or two, you would have done differently, or you know, after seven iterations, you kind of hit the right mark. What tips do you have to somebody else going through the same journey to uh, to spare them a mistake or two? One of the things we had to figure out was how to get the developers to care about this, right? So we didn't have dedicated security folks. We have some people that care about it more than others, mm-hmm. but we had started a uh, um, sort of a, a guild concept internally, right? And so it kind of went how you would imagine it went, right? There's a lot of people that are like, I really like UIs, right? And there's a lot of people that I, I like some services and I like backend stuff. You know, then we had, oh, let's do a testing guild, a security guild. There was, you know, a few people there. Yeah. <laughs> that's you know, that's yeah. typically how it goes, right? And those are two areas that I really I care about because they're super important um, and usually mis- uh, underrepresented, right? Essentially, not misrepresented. Yeah, a little bit more invisible. Yeah, yeah a little bit, little bit more uh, subdued in terms of their, their role. The tricky part was trying to figure out how to get them to really understand just as much as they might be concerned with the way their code is presented, the kinds of libraries they're making, incessantly caring about nitty-gritty things like linting rules and encode yeah. and everything like that. Can you get them to care about security just as easily? And and one of the things was looking at the kinds of tools that we could use that a were super easy to to integrate into uh, their everyday processes, so API driven. Second thing was using tools that were also easy to read and understand what they meant, right? So that meant if there was something that was scanning or something that was helping them with the security process, there wasn't a lot of noise, right? Yep. They weren't just sitting there saying, "Oh, that's great. That this tool just told me I have two thousand things wrong with my stuff. I don't even yep. I don't care about this anymore." You no, know, right? a much better sort of signal to noise ratio. Yeah, correct. Right. So, so we had looked across, and then you know we looked at different tooling to do that. We also had tried to incorporate a lot of these tools into uh, DevOps pipelines automatically. We're using a sort of a split mode between, uh, like, say, Jenkins and and some other. Uh, Atlassian tools, Bamboo, mm-hmm. um, and some other tools that exist inside there. We're trying to coalesce around some, but how do we then make that so that they're not really thinking about it so much? Right? It's super easy for them to say, "Okay, this is a quick change. I understand this." The second part was um, also getting our product owners to buy in that this was super important too. A lot of them are focused on on making great changes for the customers, right? They they have certain metrics they want to get to with yep. with customer satisfaction, yep. uh, making sure that folks like this. We had to angle that in, and we're continuously doing that in to say, hey, also a secure website is super important for your for your customers, right? right. To have them have that peace of mind to make sure that uh, it seems like we know what we're doing, right, and that uh, uh, they're uh, capable of uh, providing uh, that that you know safer environments, you know, with any kind of incident or stuff like that too. Um, so we had to really step back and focus a lot on that. And, and quite frankly, a lot of what we're going to be doing 
the rest of this year and into next year is, is a heavy focus and working with our product owners, in addition to our security organization, on educating what it is that we're trying to do, uh, what is it that we want to go, um, and understanding the kinds of roles that everyone needs to play in helping uh, support this kind of transition because it's, it's kind of an everybody thing. To your point, we don't really have a dedicated person. Like We don't, we don't really even have dedicated QA or testing folks anymore. Right. Right? It's, it's something that we're shying away from and we're saying this is everybody's responsibility as part of the dev thing. You're responsible for dev, dev ops. You're responsible for testing QA as it goes. You're responsible for security as it goes and, and trying to kind of spread that all out with certain champions to help push certain right things. across those yeah but you know I think probably what I what I like the most about what you're describing is is how you're basically treating security the same way you are treating all the other aspects as so, well there's a there's a UI guild there's also a security guild you know or, or sort of a testing guild even talking about product getting into the backlog you know I, I think what you're describing is actually sort of the epitome of of making security just a natural aspect of quality of just well this is this is what good software looks like you know it has those components in which i assume is not an easy challenge but feels like once accomplished is just sort of more ingrained into the fabric of how software is developed in the in the new stack right you said it correctly right all of this is a software quality play right not for means to an end, not just because we want to sit here and chew on uh, uh, building correct software. What's the old adage? There's always the, the old joke that yeah, it's a bunch of you know DevOpsy folks that just love to tool around and get their most perfect Kubernetes cluster sitting there and running <laughs> in perfect harmony, right? It's, it's not what we're trying to do. I mean, we're trying to do very what I believe, and I think what a lot of the folks in the industry are thinking, just as in the DevOps idea. Uh, if you want to take this to DevSecOps, right? This is this is where this is going. This is part of your job. Yep. Um, it's part of your everyday. There's a lot of noise and choices that certain individuals say, like from a leadership perspective, like from my angle, yep. as well as in harmony with a security organization, can help filter out and say, okay, well, like w- there's some basics that you have to cover, and there's some things that we're sort of expecting out of this. But other than that, you know, just keep building towards these sort of things. We're starting to introduce the idea of essentially um, KPI or better yet, more like OKR driven requirements for security as well as performance and testing. Oh, that's fascinating. That, yeah. What's the what's the uh, what are the OKRs? Sorry for interrupting you there for a second, but like what are sample of OKRs that you had around security initiatives? Um, so the metrics, not necessarily the thresholds. Yeah, they're, well, they're a little bit of both. It depends, right? So, so a lot of them would be tangible upon potential outcomes that we're looking for, right? So, I believe I heard earlier today in a discussion um, the idea of like rewarding teams that might have sort of a zero vulnerability in, in certain aspects of like that too. It's kind of being driven that way. It's the idea that in building these continuously evolving new software choices. We're going to be rewarding folks just as we're meeting sort of OKRs for getting certain other percentage to the website or certain other stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's if we can hit these these some degree of thresholds or some degree of code security quality, like like some sort of maintenance level. Like we didn't introduce new new vulnerabilities. We made conscious choices to um, not use certain libraries, uh, mm-hmm. right? And that that helped a whole bunch of different yep. things by not doing that. We're now baking that into plans as we're like thinking into next year and giving those same uh, OKRs to our product owners alongside with the customer centric right. ones, yep. right? So so that it's all kind of equalized, rationalizing the same, you know, sort of since they're right next to sort of the business value metrics, you know, because this is business value. It's just you have to measure it in some. 
you know, as a leading indicator, right? You know, and I guess that's uh, in general one of my uh, one of my sort of areas of passion is just sort of exploring. You know, hence my uh, butting in there on those is just sort of finding security metrics. But and it sounds like in this case you're you're saying, well, I'm sort of picking more of the the accomplishment of the activity that I'm doing. You know, I'm not trying to sort of get into some nebulous like how secure am I type measurement. It's more about well, I've set out to not have known vulnerabilities in my system. Have I achieved that or not? We want to set guidelines towards the excellence levels we want to achieve as an organization, and that's security, and that's a level of, of testing that we have, and that's site performance, which is super huge, and that completely and very directly impacts yeah. our customers. All of those get intertwined, but we don't want to necessarily be super overly prescriptive on how. We do want to narrow down into some guidelines. So there's like a middle ground right. that we're trying to come to where we can put a little bit of blinders on and say it's not completely open field. You can't just yep. do whatever you want and use 50,000 different security tools or testing tools or, or even web frameworks for that matter, right? You know, we're going to centralize around this more or less and we're going to kind of go over here. I like to point out too if, if there's any you know developers that are listening to this, sort of like the, the Airbnb model. They have certain standards that they use and certain libraries that they do. I don't know anybody at Airbnb, but I have to imagine that internally there are plenty of other teams that explore other avenues and ways to do it. It's not like everybody uses this universally, right? And it changes over time. That's the model we're taking. It's like let's let's pick like an 80-90% kind of common denominator right. about where to go. Say, yeah, go that way, right? And kind of go do this. Um, and yeah. then say, figure it out, right? And we know we have a bunch of smart developers, really great engineers, and they're constantly coming up with awesome stuff. We're just trying to make sure that they're measured and incentivized for doing the kinds of security practices in the same ways as they are for that very direct customer centric type of idea. Like I, I made something visually appealing. I made a workflow that worked really awesome. I uh, I added this functionality that never existed before that talked to some of our systems and made the customer's life that much easier. This should be alongside with all that stuff. Right. Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. And I think that's I find it to be, you know, very much future looking, you know, basically just sort of try to understand around the destination. You talk about outcomes of the different Aspects of software, you know, outcome of you know, am I performant? Am I secure? Uh, but to an extent, you know, if you think about these things as the outcomes of the organization, you know, if you manage to achieve an organization that measures itself this way, uh, I think that's a good destination. There's a whole bunch of other things we can sort of dig into over here, uh, but you know, I think we're uh, we're sort of coming a little bit to the end of the time. Before I let you go, I, ha- I like to ask every kind of guest coming on the show if you have one sort of piece of advice, you know, one tip or maybe like a pet peeve, something people should stop doing, or one tip of something to start doing uh, to level up their security foo. You know, what would that one bit of advice be? There's a lot of change going on in the industry right now, right? In the security industry, right? Like I said before, there's a lot of players in the market, there's a lot of tools. I think to be fair, there's also almost a lot of noise just in the market itself. Mm-hmm. I think as a developer, it's a little confusing. My advice would be to educate yourself on the basics. Uh, and there's plenty of resources. You can go around to almost any. You can go to Sneak's website. You can go to uh, White Source's website, Contrast's website. Everybody has a blog, right? Yep. Everybody's got a blog, and and they all do a very good job of trying to describe and understand the kinds of ways that security is handled and ways to segment it. It doesn't take a lot of your time to understand the differences between source code analysis and static application test uh, security. Dynamic. Uh, I found a new acronym when I was looking 
this up the other day. It wasn't DAST, it was MAST, which somebody referred to as manual application security <laughs> testing. And I was like, that's, yeah, that's... Okay, pen testing. Yeah, that's, that's free. Yeah. <laughs> that's about right, right? But understanding that most of that world, especially from a developer standpoint, is very accessible to them, right? Like the SAS, the SCA, the IAST, even the RASP worlds are very much within their reach. Task is a little bit different story. I think you're still going to need a, a bunch of interesting security professionals coming up with ways Just in which you can kind of hack into successful scan, yeah, yeah everybody's sites and and constantly be churning that out. I think I heard you say recently. I mean, there's no, it's not going to be any shortage of um, jobs for security professionals anytime yeah. ever, right? It's, it's sad reality of uh, yeah, yeah, security, no, I, yeah. I, and there's only I'm sure there's only going to be more more job opportunities uh, in the near future as everything moves more online and and we do more things. Uh, uh, via our phones and our computers and our, our watches, for for all I know, I'm, we're we're anticipating that that's going to be a thing probably in the next couple of years. I, when I worked in IoT, I never believed that voice stuff would be real five years ago, <laughs> and now I, I have an Alexa in almost every room in my house, yeah. so I, I I get it. I think it's just super easy to educate yourself on this stuff, and I I think most developers just don't necessarily think it's their job, right? Whereas it, I think many of them now are in the mode of I do testing. I do ops. I understand my environment. I get into the cloud. I think there's a next evolution that comes to right. security as part of that, and that kind of kind of rounds out a lot of uh, most of what's going to become a very developer-centric new way of working over the next decade or two. And you're only going to see more developers keep yeah. popping up. Yep, right? that would be a good skill and a good talent to have. So sound advice, Brian. Thanks a lot for for coming on the show and sharing all this info. And thanks, everybody, for uh, for tuning in. And I hope you join us for the next one. That's all we have time for today. If you'd like to come on as a guest on this show or get involved in this community, find us at thesecuredeveloper.com or on Twitter at thesecuredev. Visit heavybit.com to find additional episodes, full transcriptions, and other great podcasts. See you next time. Thanks for listening.